Welcome to Screen Actors Guild, where we explore Oscar-winning actors and the embarrassing films they'd rather forget. I am your host, Michelle, the floating eyeball with many eyeball arms coming out of my eyeball body. And I'm Henry, the dwarf whose hair keeps changing colors. <laughs> uh, uh, coming off of that high from last week's Winter's Tale, how are you feeling? How are you feeling this fine day? Mm. Mm, this was not my favorite watch. No. This was, this was, uh, so there's some movies that are fun. Yeah. That's your, like, your Winter's Tale, your, uh, your Battlefield Earth. Yep. Uh, there's some movies that make you want to take a shower. That's your, it's your, uh, it's your highway. highway. That's, <laughs> I, and I've, I've actually fucking forgotten the goddamn Cuba Gooding Jr. movie where he fucks Shadow his Boxer, to death. Shadow Boxer. Shadow Boxer. Um, and then you have movies like this that I, I can barely remember despite having watched it like 10 hours. I ago. watched it 10 minutes ago and it, held itself in my mind about as long as like a screensaver does where you're aware <laughs> the colors are happening and stimulating you in an ocular sense but that it doesn't penetrate a deeper level <laughs> yeah so so this is our jeremy irons episode uh yeah an actor most famous among I... our generation as the voice of scar oh yeah and he's bringing some real scar energy to this particular <sighs> movie he's like one Boy. of the actors that we've done that i'm the least familiar with like in terms of i mean stage and screen like old school uh yeah, british actor i believe he's like got a tony a an oscar and yeah. a golden and golden globes and emmys under his belt he's like almost right. he got He's not an EGOT, but he's he's won what I believe IMDb called the Triple Crown of Acting. <laughs> yeah. Which I think IMDb just made up. Yeah, someone definitely uh, made that up. Yeah, yeah. He was he's won a, a couple Tonys, I think. He's like sort of a famous stage actor. He won the Oscar for a movie I've never heard of. Yeah, I had to look it up. It was nineteen ninety and it was called Oh shoot, you probably have it pulled up. I wrote it down uh, somewhere. Reversal Reversal of Fortune. Reversal of Fortune. Yeah. Or maybe he played like a Nazi or something. Uh Reversal of Fortune is like he's accused of murder. It's a based on a true story where he's a man accused of murdering his wife. And so it's his like the whole behind the scenes of how he his defense. This Jesus Christ. Alan Dershowitz is a character in the movie that he won an Oscar for. It's based on a book by Alan Dershowitz by. Oh, really? N- noted accused pedophile and Donald Trump supporter Alan Dershowitz. Oh, Jesus. Uh, interesting. Yeah, so he, because he, George would usually just be like a famous lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of Cochrane-ish. Yeah. But not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, he's, so, he's got some stuff coming up, I think, too. Oh, he's going to be in a Ridley Scott movie called, like, The Gucci Story or all about, like, the behind oh. the seat, like, what goes on like why Gucci became famous and that and his whole huh. family's like rise to fashion mogul status or something. Huh. I don't really know. But he's like a very present working actor still. Yeah. Um, he was he played Alan Rickman's brother in one of the later diehards, maybe just diehard. Yeah, with die a harder. vengeance, I think is with the a vengeance, one. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I mean, he's like has the ability to be mostly a very serious actor. I think I'm like super not familiar with Jeremy Irons, um, and then also very, very cartoony, literally in terms of the Lion King, and 
pretty literally in terms of this movie. This, yeah. Uh, so one of his trademarks on the Internet Movie Database is calm, reserved performances, which could not be more oh. antithetical to what he brings to this motion picture. Oh, my God. This movie, if I were to describe his character, it would be one long, sustained hissing sound. <laughs> <laughs> With his eyebrows like akimbo and then just like flaring his nostrils, barreling the camera. It's some of the worst acting by an Oscar winning actor that I think we've seen so far. It is the I would I would agree that it is, in fact, the worst acting that we have seen by the by the focus actor in one of the movies that we've watched. Yeah, some movies Uh, it's like, oh, it was happenstance. This person got wrapped up in a shitty project, but they made it work for them. This is everything went wrong, and he is genuinely extremely shitty in this movie. Yes. It's great. Yeah, like, he didn't try at all, or he tried way too hard. It's hard to know. Uh, I have a couple things to share about Jeremy Irons. Yeah. I will say the, uh, the trivia is not as interesting. There's some interesting trivia. Yeah. There's a, there's a quote that we'll have to talk about. <laughs> uh, the trivia that's worth sharing is, one, he was born at 2 a.m., Important to know. Perfect. Uh, he is an exceptionally good horseman and enjoys skiing, hates cooking, but loves gardening and the beauty of nature. <laughs> uh, he owns Kilco Castle, parenthetical, which he has painted a rusty pink. Uh, <laughs> although he is a heavy smoker, he claims that he is unable to drink alcohol without getting sick. And what I want to focus on there Wait. is is the... the <laughs> That those are paired in a way that suggests that, that it's impossible <laughs> to. Oh, although he's bald, he has a beard. Although, although he wears shoes, yeah. he sometimes wears gloves as well. Like that's fucking IMDb that has nothing to do with each other. Um, nope, those are lungies and livers. Those are two different <laughs> things. Although he, <laughs> although he eats, he sometimes drinks. That's okay. I like uh, that also IMDb has labeled him a heavy smoker. And that's just one of the first things right. you get to know about <laughs> actor start of stage screen Jeremy Irons. I mean, you can hear it. Yeah. Oh, it fair. comes through. It baby. comes. He's, he's got, he has a British version of Pacino gravel. Yeah, he does. He totally uh, does. So Michelle, he was wearing sneakers when uh, called to the stage to accept his Oscar in 1991. An important thing for you to know. Perfect. So that's the end of the trivia. So I'm going to read a quote by the actor Jeremy Irons. I'm ready. And what I want to disclaim here is that the words that I, Henry Onoroff Kramer, are about to read were words that were spoken by Jeremy Irons and not things that I, Henry Kramer, believe. Let's be very clear <laughs> All right, here. Solid disclaimer For, at the top. I if If this appears on the internet... <laughs> It is important that people know. Yeah, this is a quote was, within a quote. I am, I am honestly, Michelle, nervous to say this out loud. Oh, God. Oh, no. All right. So, Michelle, you know how Jeremy Irons, the actor, uh, starred in the Stanley Kubrick Lolita in 1997? Oh, okay, yeah. I did, okay. I did. Did, you, did you ever read Lolita? I didn't read Lolita. I actually, yeah, I just saw that he played that role. I have not even seen Lolita. So. Are you are you familiar with the general gist of Lolita? Uh, yeah, I am familiar with the with the cliff notes of Lolita. So so here's here's the thing that the actor Jeremy Irons said on starring Lolita. Uh, 
It's very difficult because children under 16 are immensely attractive. Any father will tell you. We have to accept that, understand it for what it is, and not become hysterical about it. Strangely enough, Humbert Humbert is not a pedophile because he knew what he was doing was wrong. That's his tragedy in a way. I remember when my son was 12, he was like a god. He just went through that sort of golden time, about 18 months. Parental love is sexual. Boys will flirt outrageously with their mothers. These are all things coming out of his mouth hole? It's important that the internet know that this is me quoting the actor Jeremy Irons and not Henry Honoroff Kramer. My soul Uh, is leaving my body. It's a wild thing to tell to a reporter. This is... So, in case anybody's curious how different 1997 was from the year 2021, he appeared in movies still. He's still an actor now. Like, you can get... Like, cancel culture isn't real, and all of that is silly anyway, because people are just being held accountable for shitty shit they did. But if everyone's going to whine about our current state of affairs with the things people are being held accountable for, and Jeremy Irons is walking around talking about attractive young 12-year-olds and his golden god of a preteen son, Mm -hmm. what's happening? I know, I know. It's very challenging. Uh, and it's just nested oh. among the Jeremy Irons quotes. Like, it's not the first quote. It comes after a, a quote where he talks shit about Robert De Niro. And I saw that quote. a quote <laughs> where uh, he, he says he finds working for money and nothing else totally soul-destroying. It's just like, it's just fucking wedged in there like, like a thing that just happened once. What I would like to investigate is what is the context in which this quote is anything other than an absolutely insanely prob- insane in. and insanely problematic thing to say to a journalist. Yeah, that's what I'm curious about is who had to listen to him say it at them and what happened to them? Like, did their face what? melt off of their skeleton? Like fucking Indiana Jones, dude, <laughs> Blow just their wig drank back, from the like- wrong cup? Uh, what, like... If it was a bug planted in his therapist's office and he was working through something is like the only explanation that I will accept as like remotely right? a, even the, a, an ounce of appropriate. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's not even like no part of this is in any way acceptable or OK within context. But it's not even like one sentence that maybe was a misfire. Said no, it's a riff. Like, he's it's going a, it's off. It's a jazz like, riff of pedophilia defense. Yeah, he's like digging in, digging in. Yep. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. God uh, damn. I know. It's... And, and, it's cha- I have to address the fact it's that... challenging. Yeah, and that the quote right after that is just an absolute lie, because then he goes on to say that he doesn't like taking roles purely for the monetary compensation. Right, and he's quoted in the trivia about this movie being that he took this movie yeah, specifically for the say, money. He bought a castle, and his excuse was that he wanted to renovate his castle, so he needed a paycheck. That's why he took Dungeons and Dragons on. I so so a a complicated figure. Mm-hmm. In in summary, Jeremy Irons is a land of contrasts. Wow, uh, not what I expected to hear. No. No, it is somehow the worst thing I've read on the Internet Movie Database. That is... And I've, I've read some shit on the Internet Movie Database. It's 
it's the fact that he said it, the fact that he thought it with his human brain, and the fact that someone put that on his IMDb profile, either because they fucking hate Jeremy Irons or just because it was the most interesting thing. They put it on his profile in the middle of the quotes yeah. and not at the top, surrounded by fire. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, ju- it's, it's just a thing he like said. Like, he's just walking around, being a guy with that in yeah. his backlog yeah. of comments and thoughts. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's a horrifying yep. discovery. Yeah, it's a, it's a rough one. <sighs> so, well, uh, I mean, it well, makes me feel better about how bad he is in this because he's genuinely yeah, man, just he's dog, so he's bad. Dog shit in this I don't movie. even feel bad now. <laughs> no, no. He's, uh, yeah, it just it turns out he sucks. Uh, so, so we watched uh, Dungeons and Dragons yeah. based off of the hit role playing game, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. This, this, mm. okay. If you watch the trailer for this movie, you have experienced this movie. That's how <laughs> yes. I feel. You have, yes. you see the caliber of dragon because they hit you with that right away. That's an enticing shot. They mm-hmm. got it. They, they were gotta, so stoked about the, those graphics in the, 2000. The dragons, I would describe as like, like an N64 game, a PC game from the mid 90s. It's, genuinely so it, i mean it's just straight up dog shit uh visual effects but like but also of course they were because they made this movie it says 35 million but everything i'm reading about it is it was like a wing and a prayer and it's technically considered an independent movie it, uh well i thought that new line made it yeah so <laughs> i mean I think the backstory is way more interesting than the movie. So to get slightly into it, the guy's name is Courtney Solomon that like got this project off the ground. But it started out, this movie came out in 2000. Um, Mm -hmm. He, in like 1991, was a 19-year-old boy. (laughs) What? When he started trying to make this movie. It took him like a decade. But he like calls up the, what what are they called? Um... TSR, which is like the publisher of Dungeons and Dragons, they own the rights and they develop games under mm-hmm. like the guise of doing a project for an economics class and <laughs> like like a straight, really? like a high school move, and then eventually oh. like sneaks into the con- the conversation that he is trying to option uh, and get the obtain the rights to make this game into a movie. He was like an avid D and D player. He was just a fan. He was just a little guy. And then he starts developing the script because he does indeed get the rights to it. And it takes him like 10 almost years. And in the process, just nothing but terrible roadblocks. He ends up having to film it all in the Czech Republic so that it could be a fifth of the cost. At one point, it was going to be a $3 million straight to video. And then he got it back off the ground and got some private investors and then finally made it happen. But like... Dude, like, it's just such a crazy, right? This, like, he ended up having to direct it. And this kid had never directed anything in his mm, entire life. Mm, mm. That feels, that feels right. And he didn't yeah. even want to. I I have to imagine that the vast majority of the budget was for the garbage CGI. There yeah. was, like, early, early CGI, but still expensive, I imagine. Yeah, for that time. Because 
everything else in this movie looks like it was grabbed from a high school theater Yeah, department. it looks like high school play. It looks like, I mean, every single thing in this scene, like all the stones, all the like supposedly ornate settings, everything is 100% styrofoam. Like, yeah, no doubt. Like, there's a moment where, so Marlon Wayans is in this Marlon movie as, Wayans a, minst- is as a minstrel character. Yeah. Uh, and he, uh, at one point, he holds something up to the main character played by, Just, uh, was it Justin Whalen? Justin Whalen. Uh, yeah, Justin Whalen, uh, and in in the the context, he's clearly saying this is a giant piece of gold, and what it is is clearly a piece of cardboard, yeah. maybe maybe particle board. He's like holding it up with three fingers. <laughs> yeah, right. He there's this <laughs> the whole thing. So he picks up this giant dragon tooth and is like scissoring his body around to carry it, yeah. and then. It, and then he just picks it up with one hand yeah. and like throws it across the room. Like nobody's paying any attention no to continuity. This is straight up the worst continuity I've ever seen in a movie. And we watched John Travolta's fingers appear and disappear <laughs> scene to scene in Battlefield Yeah, Earth. You know when you see movies, like it's one of my pet peeves in TV and movies when someone's carrying a coffee cup, but you can tell it's light as a feather and full of air. And so they're mm-hmm. like holding it like sideways and moving it around. They could basically just chuck it across the room to like coffee delivery. I hate those moments. And this was like that ratcheted up to a million because he's carrying a solid gold dragon tooth just the size of his whole torso. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so so we should say the plot of this movie and get it out of the way. There's not much of one. Yeah. It is. It is like. It is a Dungeons and Dragons game. It's like it's like a very classic, like wizardy Dungeons and Dragonsy kind of. It's got a side quest. It's got like yeah. four, four or five members of the crew, like you know the yeah. It had it's yeah. very standard issue adventure medieval dragony movie. Yeah, the plot isn't really uh, the issue. It's just <laughs> no. I mean, the plot's not good, but it's, it's not good. It's just like a generic kids film. It's just nothing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so Jeremy Irons, uh, well, okay, so there's, some of this is not well explained by the movie. There's a magical land Mm -hmm. where wizards are, like, billionaires, Mm -hmm. and everybody, and anybody without magic is not equal. We don't know what not equal means precisely, (laughs) but there's a lot of conflict over whether people will be equal or not. Never explained. No. It's fine. No. Uh, this is a time, this is 2000, where the concept of equality was very like, ah, it'll be, okay, everything will be equal, everything will be fine. Yeah, it's like a Hands Across uh, America kind of vibe. It's a, it's a real <laughs> uh, pre, it's a real like pre 9-11, pre-crash. It's like, yeah. It's, innocent time. It's just all about everyone time. hugging it out. Yeah. LFOs on the radio. Yeah. It's like just the world is still Simpler in this times. strange post- uh, post-communist, post-Cold War bliss mm-hmm. where nothing matters. Anyway, so we're in that in that context. Thora Birch is a teen empress yeah. with no power of her own as far as we can tell, but she has a scepter yeah. that allows her to control dragons. Yeah. And she wants people to be equal, but the other wizards don't. And Jeremy Irons plays, the most- I couldn't tell you, Polopius or something. I have no idea. (laughs) He's he's an evil guy. He's a very witchy, witchy evil guy. But like what his connection to Thor Birch is, 
I cannot tell. Like, he seems to be, like, the opposition leader, as though she's prime minister of the, like, pro-commoner party. But that's, like, it's also not right. Anyway, yeah. so he's he's her chief opposition. And he's trying to, like, get a different scepter to have other dragons fight Thora Birch's dragon. <laughs> yeah, there's multiple types of dragons. It doesn't really there's, matter. There's at the at beginning of the movie, gold you dragons and red dragons. Dragon, so that's pretty neat. A dragon that looks like a CGI claymation of Pete's dragon dyed red. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It does. And, oh my God. Okay. We have to talk about that for a minute. So he... It's so immediate. uh, It's within like the first three or four minutes of the movie. And it's... There's a... Jeremy Irons does Emperor Palpatine hands. Yeah. At a like spinning axe tool. Uh Uh-huh. And that turns into dragons for a minute. And then he grabs it. And then a bunch of monks turn giant crakes and it releases a dragon that yep. could not look worse. Uh, and then the door crushes the dragon. Yeah, well, cause... he tries to control it and then it is apparent that he can't control it. And so then I think he destroys it on purpose. Right. Uh, yes, 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 yes. He crushes uh, the dragon under a big stone door. Right. And then you get a shot of CGI blood running down the stairs. And my first question to you, Michelle, is why didn't they just use practical fake blood? I know. I know. The kinds of decisions (laughs) that they're making. It could not possibly have been cheaper to do CGI for that. I did prop blood in my like rinky dink like film class shoots like back Mm -hmm. when our budget was like four dollars we could afford fake blood and this situation it has the viscosity of like pudding and then it's just (laughs) creeping down the stairs like there was no reason the castle appears to be a real physical space that they animated over. And so it's not like the entire thing was CG. The decisions they're making and the money that they're just setting on fire is hilarious. It's it's nuts. The, it couldn't look uh, worse, by the way. It's just No, it looks absolutely horrible. Uh, this, I mean, there's all these CGI decisions that are terrible. My One of my favorites is every establishing shot is the same spinning CGI establishing shot yeah. of a castle. Yeah. And like always spinning. Always never spinning just, and up. Like a spinning, always spinning and up. shot every single time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Over and over again. Like dozens of times. The establishing shot for the same place you just were. It's great. It's got a real, yeah, it's got a real hokey video game quality, which... I don't know how to say this and have it totally. I wish the movie were shittier. Like, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. not. It exists in a, a bad limbo area. Yeah, like, I want all of that goofy nonsense to be matched with, like, a script that's, like, laughably bad. So it can just be a full throttle disaster. And instead, it's just kind of a boring movie with bananas CGI. It's. What I would. I would say everything is bad. And the dialogue is, like, fine. There's some garbage yeah. dialogue, but it's not to the degree that some of the other movies we've watched. Super but forgettable. Every yeah. other aspect. I mean, the acting is genuinely atrocious. Usually the Across actors are doing the their board. best. Across the board. Uh, like. Okay, like Thora Birch, the year before this movie came out, had just finished being in American Beauty. And, like. Yeah. What's going on? Monster- 
yeah, so good to watch on screen. And then immediately follows it with whatever the hell this was. She's like, how much can I be in the movie without physically moving my face or body and acknowledging that I am a human person? So I love the contrast because she's prim- it's primarily her acting across Jeremy Irons. And, yeah. and she perpetually looks to be reading cues off a cue card yeah. after three 100%. nights of no sleep. Like, she could not have less energy. Like, she doesn't seem she's to know like, what she's saying as She's got, as it like, happens. big Valium energy. Yeah. And then... It's like one of those Jeremy... SNL hosts that didn't bother to practice and is just reading off the cue cards. Yeah, it's like when they have, like, a like an athlete that's not mm-hmm. familiar with mm-hmm. them, you know? Like, yeah. They, but they gotta have them on there. Uh, meanwhile, Jeremy <laughs> yeah. Irons just did two lines of PCP and is playing to the back of a house in a different town. Absolutely. He's like doing acrobatics with every muscle in his face. I don't it's I I don't know what he thinks film acting is. He won an Oscar not long prior. No. Remember when um we watched uh Highlander 2 The Quickening mm-hmm. and there's that character with like who's like the master of the rats and he's like at one point like <laughs> takes an eel and like breaks it over his knee and then like leers at the camera and mm-hmm. makes his eyes bug out of his head. It's that. Only it's an Oscar. It's the Oscar actor winning actor Jeremy Irons. Who won an Oscar not that long before making this? Uh this little beauty. Yeah, it's genuinely bad. Everyone is doing it. I mean, Marlon Wayans is just being Marlon Wayans. I mean, he's not he's not an actor actor. He's just being shoved into a pretty racist role where he is yeah. the only character that dies. Yeah, it's it is the like, purest I distillation just, you know. of the black character in nineties movies. Mm-hmm. In in a movie that I mean it's a it's a fantasy world. Like yeah. there's absolutely no reason for any of those tropes to be present. Uh they have him with like a chin strap beard just speaking with like a modern like just talking like he's kind of like Marlon Wayans. And then make just, I don't know, just, yeah, making him such a fucking stereotype. And also the only black person in this movie except one one other right, lady elf. that is his, like, yeah, his... Interest? Yeah, love interest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where he just shut down. Uh, yeah, so he... So... But like, yeah. The... So there's a couple things... There's a couple things I'd like to talk about in this movie. It's like, it's not even really worth... We can, let's just get the fucking plot. All right, there's there's two thieves. They end up getting, like, sucked into a quest to go mm-hmm. track down the scepter that can control the red dragons. Yeah. There's some bullshit about it. They end up with a uh, a dwarf in their, in in their group that is that contributes absolutely nothing to the plot. He is He's a got a big edition. red bushy beard. And that, that is... That does... It. Like change dramatically in tone throughout the movie. It's dark red at the beginning. It's like full on Irish orange at the end. That's uh, so red. He's also yeah. the only character to break the fourth wall. Uh, there's. I don't remember that. When does he do that? Okay, so he's uh, he's negotiating with the two thieves, with Marlon Wayans and Justin Rayland, and. The witch woman, whose character name, by the way, is Marina of Pretendiza, which is definitely <laughs> a character name that somebody made up after not prepping before playing the game. Uh, 
And he's negotiating with them, trying to get money from the whatever. Uh, and she says no, basically. Like, we'll deal with this later. And the yeah. dwarf breaks the fourth wall, looks straight at the camera, and says, that's a terrible way to do business. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, the scene yeah, goes on. Totally. Uh, so, uh, what I'm most... Okay, I was They... There's a couple of side quests. They mm-hmm. find the scepter. Yeah. They def- like they defeat uh, Profion is the name of the Jeremy Irons character. Profion. He's he's eaten. Well, first his uh, fucking sidekick, his henchman, kills Marlon Wayans. There's his some henchman, stuff I wanna... by the way, looks like. Uh, the guy who plays the mummy in the mummy, but if he was wearing, <laughs> but if he was wearing like an action figure bad guy outfit made out of actual plastic and has like a Y2K frosted blue lipstick, it's the best. He he looks like somebody wanted to cast Dave Batista, but couldn't afford it and didn't know who Dave Batista was yet. Like yeah. it's. He also kind of looks like off-brand Billy Zane. Yeah, I can see it. He's just, yeah, he's a standard-issue, bald Hollywood bad guy. He plays a lot. I don't really know him from stuff. I'm not familiar with no, this he guy. He's just been a bad guy in a bunch of 90s shit. And, uh, yeah, but he's uh, really, he's, that that blue lipstick was a choice. There are a lot of choices with the makeup that I found both fun and fascinating and also totally baffling in a movie that is not set in outer space it is also not on him at all times there are scenes where it's gone and it does come back uh i mean the the person who's doing the worst work in this movie is the continuity uh that person person didn't exist didn't exist like nobody was watching the store there was Uh, not a person like that here so he murders marlon wayans then the you know they get the fucking scepter. Uh, Jeremy Irons is eaten by a, uh, a dragon, yeah. and that's the movie. Yeah, uh, you get the, to watch a dragon standoff in which yeah two people battle with swords at the top of a castle where there's just a screensaver, basically like a, a background behind them of just hundreds of dragons <laughs> swarming in a circle, and it's that's where the budget went though. Like, yeah. it went into the scene with the, the CGI screensaver dragons. It had Just to have. Green, green screened into the background. It's so good. So so the the things, now that the useless plot's out of the way, things I want to talk about. The costumes. Yeah. I want to talk about the costumes. I want to talk about the CGI characters. Uh, and, oh, there was one other thing that felt very important. Oh, it's a throwaway thing, and I'll talk about it in a minute. Uh all right. So we've we've given the we've given the CGI a pretty hard time. And I think one of the reasons that it's important to do that <laughs> is that this movie came out only 1 year before the first Lord of the Rings movie. Holy shit. What? And a year what? before the first Harry Potter movie. Well, in fairness, some of the CGI in the Harry Potter movies is not good in those first couple of movies. No, it's not but, that great, but it also is very leagues better than what's happening yes, in this yes, movie. Yes. Those movies had insane budgets, and I will say especially Lord of the Rings, but like just to get a sense of like perspective and caliber, you're not watching like a 1982 movie where you get to just kind of like, oh, whatever. Yeah. It's 
literally like this the cgi in this is worse than video games that i remember playing at that time oh absolutely like far and away absolutely uh so the cgi you get a couple cgi characters uh there are there's the there's the like pete's dragon looking dragons yep and then there's the beholders who are you made reference to this earlier look like giant flying california raisins with one <laughs> giant eye and then yeah. a bunch of other tentacle eyes it's the best it's a big gooey eyeball uh-huh. uh like the size of like a large dog Yep. And then it's just levitating, and it has big gooey arms. It's sort of like if the Ah Real Monsters guy and then Billy Crystal's mm-hmm. character from oh, Monsters totally. Inc. smashed into each other, but made it wetter. You mm-hmm. know, like way, mm-hmm. way wetter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they also only appear in one half of one scene. They do yep. not contribute to the plot in any material way. All they do is appear and then go off screen because there was a distraction. Hey, like, but can I say this? Stole the scene. Stole, <laughs> stole that the scene. <laughs> we're talking about it and not a lot of other things. Uh, That's my favorite part of this movie, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> also, all of the like crazy costume decisions, because they like they set you up like it's a classic like medieval style, mm-hmm. albeit bad and low budget, like definitely like a. But, like, you know, in the style of something like Willow, where everything is pretty, like, brown and, like, Mm kind of earthy tones. And then they'll just throw a character at you in, like, a crowded scene in a marketplace who has electric purple skin and a little eyeball in the middle of their head that's doing all the work. That opens horizontally. Opens like a like a head vagina, and yeah. then <laughs> yep. Is, yep. and it's like crackling and making sounds, and I I just feel like it was a missed there, opportunity to mash this up with like some alien things. There are so many wild costuming decisions. The really 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 uneven and mm-hmm. part like my favorite part was just pointing out all of the background work that was going on. So the the henchmen's henchmen are. All dressed like the director's mom made them costumes with plastic RoboCop masks and then yeah. wrapped them in blankets. Yeah. Like, this is a real movie. It's that so good. Somebody really made with real actors. Multiple Oscar winners and Oscar nominees. Uh, the, the elf character that Marlon Wayans is attracted to is wearing this, like, Xena Warrior Princess boob-forward metal <laughs> chest plate. Where yeah. the... the the boobs do keep growing bigger over the course of the movie. Like, they're <laughs> no replacing way. the chest plate multiple times with more boobalicious chest plates. No. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Uh, oh, got a little something for the fellas. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. Thank you, movie. Uh, Thanks, movie. The, God damn. There There's an alien other... at one point that has a watermelon face. That... Mm-hmm. That is to say, the paint job was exactly like <laughs> a, a little kid at like a country fair that goes to a face painting booth and says, I want the watermelon. And then they just painted the like the light and dark watermelon stripes all over the face. And that is all the work that was done there. It, Other than that, it was just a, it's just a dude. In a it hoodie. looks like the I like turtles kid. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. 
Being uh, the makeup person on this movie was probably very freeing because there is no oversight. <laughs> no rules. So you just like you just get to be like, oh, what did I see in a dream last night? Well, that's I'm bringing that to work. Fucking that's all, it. yeah, absolutely. Also, uh, yeah, so freeing. I thought steakhouse. Uh, I don't want to let the script off too easy though, for yes. several reasons. <laughs> Uh, one is, so the, the scepter that they're looking for is regularly described as the rod. And so you have some lines like, Profian also seeks the rod, which is my favorite (laughs) fantasy gay porn. Uh, you have the, the main henchman villain screaming, then give me the rod. Uh, I love it. It's so good though. You love to see it. You love love it. So the best part, too, is that... Do you want to take a shot in the dark uh, as to how many drafts of this script there were prior to this movie being made? (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'll I'll go up the middle and say five. It's north of five. It's north of... Just just keep going. Okay, let's say say 12. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Really? Uh, 14? Uh... It can legally drive a car. What? <laughs> there were 16 drafts there of this? There were 16 drafts of this thing. Um, between 1991 and the and the year that it got made. And like, I mean, it's a passion project, man. It's this guy, Courtney Solomon, doing all the heavy lifting. He brought in some other writers, but he gets writing credit, producer credit, directing credit. I just... He did his he did his best. He did his best little job that he could. He did his best, and yet also there's scenes that are I'm shocked Lucasfilm didn't sue this movie. Like there are the scene in the maze is wholesale front to back ripped off from Indiana Jones. Like mm-hmm. uh, with the, shamelessly. Yes. He told some of the writers to borrow from not be influenced by his some of his favorite movies, and that was one of them for sure. It had to be. There's it had also, to be, of course, it was. But like you know, there's some real was... Star Warsy force stuff. It's like borderline midichlorian shit. Uh, the yeah, I here's something that the director said about okay. his movie. <clears throat> the director was going for a wow factor. And here's the quote. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to say wow about 10 times in the first 30 minutes. That is the definition of a wow factor. And the thing is, like, I mean, yeah. Yeah, no, he's not wrong. It's not a good wow. Because that's how many times you see a shot of a dragon or Uh dragon blood or a little hairy eyeball. Spinning CGI establishing shot. Yeah. Uh, So professional writers wrote this? Well, there were writers attached to the project, but I do not think... I think he still gets basically all the writing credit. Um, Here's a factoid for you. Okay. When he was shopping this movie around, because he got the rights, and D&D was, you know, huge. I think a lot of studios wanted to bring back the fantasy genre, Mm -hmm. uh, which they very successfully did one year year later. later. (laughs) This horrible sack of shit came out. But... um, there is talk of possibly bringing on to direct the movie Francis Ford fucking Coppola. <laughs> no way. Yeah. What? And and James Cameron 
either in a producing uh, capacity or directing capacity. Like, he took meetings. They sat there and discussed how that would work. And apparently, so, like, the the company that made Dungeons & Dragons uh, was run by this horrible woman who basically, like, was part of the reason this movie got so fucked and, like, so cinched down with a terrible budget. But she attended a meeting with the director and James Cameron and basically rolled her eyes at him and said, why do you think you should be able to direct this movie? Why should it be you? And he's like, I don't want to direct it. I'm right. going to try to help produce it, but I'm going to go ahead and pass. I'll see you later. Wow. <laughs> Can you imagine? It was pre-Titanic James Cameron, and then he went and did some other shit. But, like, for 10 years, they had, like, the most marketable directors. Like, that's just... I mean, he almost, done almost Terminator. On board. That's crazy. Yeah, can you imagine? I I cannot because this Mm-mm. this movie includes the line, "Just like you thieves, always taking things that don't belong to you." True. Like that's what the, they do. This movie has it's it's written almost by an AI, right? Yeah. Uh, um. I. I would like to talk about the last moments of Marlon Wayans. And yeah. I guess the... And then the sort of aftermath of the uh-huh. death of Marlon Wayans. So he's uh, he's sneaking around the villain's castle, or the henchman's castle. Which is sort of weird, because it doesn't seem like they're supposed to be in the castle, but it's fine. Yeah. Uh, sneaking around it, looking for a map to get to the, like, the cave with the rod in it. Uh, oh, yeah. And so he's up by the villain's bed. And then he notices a few feet away that the map is there. Mm -hmm. And so he walks over to get the map and he sinks into a vat of quicksand, which means that between the bed and the desk, there was just a vat of quicksand that they decided to put the bed. They decided to put the bed on opposite sides on quicksand that does look like floor. Like, yeah, what? What Why? was what was the game there? Movie? I, I don't know movie, but I will say that Marlon Wayans so it, he had to sink into a vat of like almost 2000 gallons of oatmeal. Of oatmeal. For had, that to be oatmeal. Scene. had to be oatmeal. And he said it was the the worst thing he's ever had to do in his acting <laughs> career. <laughs> Look, yeah, second to being this movie, I suppose. The the moment logistically though. Yeah. Uh and then the moments after so he, like, escaped from the quicksand mm-hmm. somehow, from the oatmeal. And where the oatmeal appears on his body changes so radically shot to shot. Like, <laughs> there, there are shots where his entire upper torso is perfectly clean. There are yeah. shots where it's, like, up to his neck. And there's yeah. shots somewhere in between the two. So it's like, I don't know if they shot this on different days. Definitely. Oh, ha- like, dude, it feels like you have to try to have it be that far off. I mean, God, for the sake of everyone's like well-being, I hope they didn't have to climb inside a vat of oatmeal multiple days in a row. But it it at least had to happen all day because there's a lot of takes and a lot of costume changes. I guess, but like. Presumably they did all of the oatmeal takes in one scene and then all of the like running away from the villain takes in a different time. Like, how does it, it feels like you have to bring somebody onto the set to change the arrangement of the oatmeal on his body. Yeah, it's almost like, like the lack of continuity almost 
is deliberately insane. Right. It's close enough. It feels like somebody is trying. Yeah. Uh, so then he just gets the living shit beat out of him. He yeah. is as grotesquely bloody as anybody gets in this movie. Which is a weird choice for this movie because up until this point, you're not watching a lot of like violence violence. You see a lot of like stuff that is troubling, like a like a snake thing crawling inside someone's head. But there's no like blood. It's just like no. graphic nonsense. And then you really do watch like Marlon Reigns, Reigns get beat get to death and then stabbed through the heart, stabbed right in the guts. And there's there's kind of a lot of blood. Yeah. Uh, they fought for a PG-13 rating so that they could have max violence in this movie. And then they just funneled it all into Marlon just, Wayans. Just fucking beating the absolute life out of Marlon Wayans. Poor guy. Uh, whose character's name is Snails. Yeah. And then there's a scene where the, like, the heroine says heartfelt, I'm sorry about Snails. And you shouldn't <laughs> name a character Snails. Do you want anybody to take that line seriously? That line's the best. I'm sorry about be... Snails. Oh, man. I mean, God, if this movie was either a little bit better or a lot worse, it would be so good to be snails. Like, I would choose that role. Yeah. Well, the level of no respect that snails gets, I feel like, doesn't really come together until the very end. So, like, the yeah. whole action has happened. Uh, Justin Waylands is the hero. He's being called Ridley the Savior, I think. Yeah, uh, something like that. And so they're, uh, it's like the very last scene of the movie, they're in a graveyard, surrounded by gravestones, mm-hmm. paying their respects to snails, <laughs> whose gravestone is several rocks stacked on top of each other with snails <laughs> written in shock at the top of it. Like, like they'd forgotten to do any prep work and decided to just fucking grab what they had on hand. They're in a graveyard so surrounded by gravestones. It's so mean to snails. It's so mean to snails. <laughs> He's already lived his entire short life as a man named Snails. Like, cut the man a bone. It could have been in the shape of a snail. That would have been whimsical. It could have been anything literally other anything than fucking trail stones stacked on top of each other and do you understand what happens at the end like no. they're <laughs> no so uh they're like justin williams is giving a eulogy to marlon wayans and and then he sets the like red stone that was important to the plot doesn't really matter on the other stack of stones and that red stone starts glowing and then the word snails dissolves off of the stone and then the elf woman says to Justin Waylands, don't question your gift. Your friend awaits you. And, like, I expect them to maybe, like, destroy the stakes of the movie and have Marlon Wayans come back. But no. Then they all put their hands together on top of the stone. And then every character turns to stardust and floats yeah. away. And that's just the end of the movie. And then it's credits. <laughs> yeah. And then it's just a big, a big Courtney Solomon, right, across the middle of the screen to it's, destroy his career, really cement that in for good. It's... It's not. It's nothing, is what it is. No, it's nothing. It's kind of like, it's like the. It's like a fade to black in the middle of a scene. <laughs> like you know, guys, everyone's left the theater. Can we just just vapor it or something? I don't know. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> special effects. They had to like cut a lot of corners. 
apparently make equity deals with different effects houses in order to offset and make it a lot cheaper. Blah blah blah. Uh, here are the names of two the two effects houses that worked on the CGI. Both of them, each sounding faker than the next. Station X. Okay. And then blankety blank. <laughs> what? <laughs> no fucking way. It's called blankety blank. And they made tiny dragons and big dragons and eyeball dragons. And uh, it's very much a real studio. They're super real. Shut up. Don't ask any more questions. It's a real studio. That's so good. <laughs> it's like someone did a placeholder like, yeah, and then we'll get effects by uh, blankety blank. We'll figure it out later. And that's... <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, Manzies. Do you, have, mean, do, you, uh, do you have any other highlights of the movie? Uh, let's see. Oh, there's a moment when the guy who's like the henchman with the blue uh, Y2K lips has like these little snake things that come mm-hmm. out of his ears with the mouths and they're just kind of doing like a little hula <laughs> out of each side of his face. That was a highlight for me. I liked I liked the whimsical CGI work. I apparently just like any time uh, something has creepy arms coming out of it. I guess that's my thing. Which is fair uh, because yeah. it's something visually interesting in this movie that somehow lacks that despite spending all their money on trying. Yeah, oh yeah. I, so there's a scene where uh, two elves, who are like kind of little elves, give Justin Whalens a sword. And then Justin Whalens walks away from them. And you get a full shot of the two elves turning to each other and talking in Elvish. We've never seen these before. There's no subtitles. <laughs> Nothing is advanced in the plot at all. It's just these two characters you've, again never seen before talking to each other in a language you cannot understand while the main characters are off screen (laughs) do you feel like okay both of these options i think are equally possible one it's a deep cut in elvish that the director or writer threw in there to be like legitimize the fact that he's an actual D &D fan or it's just two people ad-libbing and they kept it in (laughs) Because it's fun. I I feel like it has to be the latter. I feel like it's got to be, right? Because yeah. that's so good. Uh, um, yeah. Poor little Courtney Solomon. I mean, he was such a little guy when he first started this process. And then he like pretty much got blacklisted from Hollywood for almost ever. Although... If you look up IMDb right now, it should say that there's they're making a new Dungeons and Dragons, by the way, with Chris Pine. It's coming out in twenty. I saw that's very exciting. It's probably going to be legit because I'm assuming it has all the money in the world thrown at it, and the stakes are pretty high because there's been like three failed D and D movies so far. But um, if you look at the producers, uh, well, well, Courtney Solomon is listed as one of six people producing this film. So Why would you let that happen? Why Hollywood? would you let that happen? And also, is it like putting a drawing up on the fridge <laughs> just like right next to the other ones? Just for you. <laughs> the whole I, family can't wait to look at it every day. As a cautionary tale, if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. He's just meant to occupy space in like the writer's room and hang out on set, kind of haunting some spaces to just remind people what could go wrong. 
the the IMDb page for the new Dungeons and Dragons is also it's actually kind of curious because it says plot undisclosed. Yeah. Chris Pine does not have a character name. Michelle Rodriguez does not have a character name. Hugh Grant's character name is Fo- Forge Fletcher. Hugh uh, Grant is in this one. Yeah. It uh, seems very out of character. Alexis Rodney as Fenor. Dan Poole as the Executioner. Like, some of these actors have character names already attached. Huh. But the main characters don't? I don't understand. I don't understand either. Mysterious. Uh, uh, so, my, I would say my other favorite part of this movie is there's a moment where Jeremy Irons is scream acting at... Uh, Justin Waylands, and he's like mm-hmm. hit Justin Waylands to the ground. This is in the like sort of climactic fight, and Justin Waylands' character's name is Ridley, yeah. uh, and he and Jeremy Irons feels like he's about to kill Ridley, and he says, "Not so talented, a eh, Mister Ridley," which I think is a Whoa. weird talented Mister Ripley reference in this fantasy movie. What? What I know? Why? Why? Who is it for? Who is that for? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's um, that's a real. I mean, I can't say deep cut, sideways cut, lateral it, swoop. It's it, just a nothing. It feels reference. like like an off-brand Shrek movies reference to the adults in the audience. Like it's supposed yeah. to be something that so, that's a a wink to somebody, but who also the movie telling Mr. Ripley is like two years prior like it's sort of a timely reference i guess but so yeah it couldn't be a more different movie that's a that's a period prestige drama <laughs> i i honestly don't know how this was allowed in a movie i just don't know how any of it is allowed in a movie but it's like it's like the continuity person uh just absolutely left the room for the entirety of this thing and then they burned through 16 scripts and still did that to it. And everyone's just fucking free-falling, man. Just trying stuff out. Desperately hoping that they can fix it once uh, Blankety Blank gets their hot little hands <laughs> on this project. Uh, you know, I'm happy this happened. Uh, so that I can... I guess get it out of my system and just never have to think about it again. Big mushy eyeball. That's my favorite part. <laughs> That's who I would be. That's my favorite part. Just <laughs> floating around, fucking vibing and stealing the scene. That is saving grace. This movie's wildly boring. And I'm yeah, telling don't Henry watch that this movie. It's nothing. When I watch, I'm dog sitting my parents' uh, Labrador and. He sacrificed uh, attention and being pet and given treats in order to sit across the room with a couch barrier in between us facing away so he could get physically further away from this movie. And that's, yeah, probably the most scathing indictment I can come up with. Yeah. It's just bad and loud and bad. It's nothing. This movie's nothing. Yeah. This this is not one of those ones that's fun. Watch the trailer. Yeah. The trailer gives you everything. The trailer gives you the whole plot, most of the movie, and you just yeah. you'll save yourself an hour and 42 minutes. Yeah, you get that little taste of the dragons, and that's literally all you need. That's what sucked me in. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, mistake, I would say. Yeah, I, I hated I mean, this movie. It was really bad. 
Does IMDb have anything interesting to say about like plot keywords or? Par- I mean, this seems like the kind of thing that wouldn't have been. Honestly, no. I mean, there's very much. there's a shit ton of plot keywords. There's a parents guide, but there's no, not really. Just, just as boring as the actual movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's. I mean, there's some stuff that like. Black comic relief. Two of two found this relevant. Okay. Uh, teenager fighting adult, which I don't think is accurate, but fine. Psychotronic uh-huh. film. What? I don't know what that means. I mean, nor this movie. Nor I. Uh, Spider Man No Way Home reminiscence and Free Guy all seem to apply to psychotronic film. So it seems to mean absolutely nothing. Okay. Uh, bad acting is a keyword, which is fun. That's nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this has a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes, so, you know, it's definitely, it makes sense that we would watch it. It got scathing reviews and made, like, no money, so, you know, seemed like it could have been a more catastrophic flop, but really it was just sort of like a, <laughs> it's like the movie got tired and laid on the ground. You know, sometimes you watch a movie really set itself on fire and run around the room, and this one just sort of, like, went to bed. Well, there is one revealing part of the plot keywords, which is, at the very bottom, uh, sole black character dies cliche. Yeah. Zero of one found this relevant. So there's there's some fucking internet gremlin who Someone saw... Someone the internet just to like, be like, you know what? No. It's fine when the only black character dies. Not a cliche. Fucking, I, <laughs> these, these people. Just go back to posting about panties. Yeah. Uh, so if you were going to be somebody in this movie, you would be the uh, the California Raisin? I think I'd be, yeah, a big old mushy eyeball, eyeball fella with all the other arms and eyeballs. Because, I mean, I want to explore my range. <laughs> my range of powers. My <laughs> acting range. Just... See how much I can infiltrate every aspect of this world and make it about me. Uh, I think I'd have to go with Marina Pretenza because it's the <laughs> dumbest possible name and I want to go through life like that. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Don't watch this movie. What a pile of garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, fuck Jeremy Irons. That's the other thing. Yeah, apparently, man. Yeah. Jeez. It's a bummer. Uh, well, until next time, <laughs> I'll be Henry. I'll be Michelle. Uh, experiment and fast forward into the future of acting. <laughs>